Good morning. It is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer of Decanter Managed ETF Portfolios. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. I hope everybody had a good long Father's Day weekend and enjoyed the holiday on uh, Monday, June 19th. Presentation has been prepared by us for use with you. Whether you are an investor or a financial advisor, you are expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any security. The information contained in this is purely for informational purposes. There's no tax advice. Uh, with that, let's get into it. A great week for everything. It's very rare that we don't have any red on this slide. S&P 500, big cap tech leading the way, this sort of equity inflation despite economic slowdown, uh, despite concerns about profit numbers for the, for the current quarter that ends at the end of this month. Uh, all of that pushed aside as the artificial intelligence uh, works its way into market valuations and market sentiment. Couple that with the Fed pause we got last week, perhaps uh, uh, perhaps the end of rate hikes, but at least a pause, no hike this month. You can see now the S&P 500 up almost 16% and the year is not even half over. International markets fully participating, as you can see. What's lagging a little bit is domestic small and mid cap names. So we'll start thinking about those here as we go forward. Bond markets caught a bit across the board, strength, interest rates down, et cetera. Strength in equities led to strength in high yield and our alternative indices all higher last week as well. Let's get into some of the economic data, what we think it means, what we think it means for the economy, what we think it means ultimately for your, your portfolios. Let's start with small business optimism from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. It continues to hover at really just a tick above a decade low. Uh, small businesses, I think, are much harder hit from the shrinking mon monetary base, uh, the restriction in bank lending, much harder hit than larger businesses, which are presumably stronger, better credits, have access to different capital markets that small businesses wouldn't really have access to. And the respondents to the survey were negative on their outlook for sales, the overall economy, and most importantly of all, I can't overemphasize this enough, credit has dried up, not just because the Fed has risen, has increased interest rates uh, at a record pace, but because of the tightening from private banks, from the banks we go to, not just the central bank. All of this has resulted in negative monetary growth and made credit availability very difficult for small business, which is disinflationary, if not ultimately deflationary to the overall economy. Speaking of inflation, inflation, CPI and PPI data came out last week. Let's start with CPI in May, up one-tenth of a percent, right in line with expectations. A fraction of the increase in April. Take that to a year-over-year -year number, 4.0, uh, which was better than the expected 4.1 and significantly less than the 4.9. Similar kind of trend with core, which backs out food and energy, goes up less, comes down, goes up slower, comes down slower. But you can see the blue led it on the way up, leading it on the way down. Clearly, consumer price inflation 
is coming down, the Fed's target is down here at 2%. It's not there yet, uh, but they need to give policy time to catch up. Uh, the data to catch up with the policy, they have hiked interest rates. Moving over to producer price index, similar kind of pattern, but already getting there. Get, they went up more, they're coming down more. PPI was actually negative in the month of May. Producer prices actually declined three times as much as expected versus a two-tenths of a percent gain in April. Year over year, 1.1%. That's well below the Fed's target of 2% inflation. Now, the 2% target is on consumer inflation using something called core PCE. But all of these numbers are considered and looked at together. Uh, year over year there, um, 1.1 uh, versus 2.3 in April, well below the estimate. Inflation numbers are coming down. This is what gives the Fed the ability to say, we can pause. Again, core, same kind of story as we saw in CPI. What's really interesting is something that's developed in the bond market. Bond market uh, inflation break evens, inflation break evens the, on the white line here are 2.25. This what this is what this is saying is that the bond market believes inflation is taken care of. Therefore, they're pricing only 2.2% inflation for the next 10 years, even though the current yield on the 10-year US Treasury is 3.7%. That's a big premium over the inflation rate. When the gap gets this big, you can often expect to get really kind of good returns from bonds, not just the coupon, but if inflation numbers continue to drop, like I think they will, you can get, you can get capital appreciation in some of the longer term fixed income, 10, 15, 20, 25 year type of security. So this big gap here between the actual yield and the yield for, you know, you should get a little premium over inflation, but should it be 150 basis points over inflation, by historic standards, that's pretty wide. And I think that's an indicator that uh, interest rates have likely peaked or are very close to it. Um, speaking of interest rates, the US Federal Open Market Committee met last week and decided not to hike interest rates. They left the federal funds rate unchanged, the upper target for that at five and a quarter percent. And the markets cheered that. But the rate of these hikes is really nothing short of amazing. And to understand where we are, you need to go all the way back to the global financial crisis of 2008. Federal funds rate at that time was about where it is now. It's about five and a quarter. You see that over on the left. But the, the financial crisis, the Fed had to ease, ease aggressively. They did it very rapidly. You can see here all through 2008. And then left interest rates near zero, 25 basis points, from early 2009 which was when the crisis began to get fixed and markets bottomed in March of 2009, all the way to the end of 2015. This is part of what began to sow the seeds for the inflation that we're experiencing now. Ultra easy monetary policy, but given the complete insolvency of the world financial system, every bank had a negative net worth for a very short period of time in late 2008, it may have been the right policy. Then the Fed started to normalize by slowly raising interest rates. They really hadn't gotten back to normal. They'd only gotten to about 2.5% when we had another crisis. 
we had the COVID crisis. And what did the Fed do? Sliced interest rates all the way down to about zero again, 25 basis points, or yeah, 25 basis points again. And then began to start normalizing in 2022. So if you were to, let's say, draw a trend line from the beginning of the normalization to now, we're kind of back on this path of normalized interest rates. That's good. In the end, we were, you know, we were worried about ultra low for long, would it ultimately damage the economy, would it cause massive amounts of irreversible inflation. And what we're seeing from the data is that the Fed has essentially used its tools, met an unexpected crisis with COVID, and it's kind of managing this thing. And if they can get these inflation numbers to continue to go down without having to go much above the pre-financial crisis levels, it will be seen in economic history, ultimately, as a victory for Fed policy and the technology, essentially, that we have. And it's not just raising interest rates that the Fed is using. The Fed has used monetary supply, open market operations, to purchase bonds, purchasing bonds here, right? Done all of that. And then when they do that, it means their balance sheet's going higher. And they were starting to cut the balance sheet appropriately. And then, of course, COVID, massive increase in the balance sheet. But now, starting to roll those assets off. We are down about $800 billion. Now, if we're critical of the, federal, of the central bank, the Fed, when they print money, you have to also acknowledge, because we might think they're printing too much and it can cause too much inflation. And quite frankly, it did. Um, but now they're shredding money. They're shredded $800 billion off the balance sheet since they started tightening. That is, without a doubt, disinflationary, perhaps even deflationary. It takes a little time to work its way into the data, but there's no question. And what about just regular banks? How do they contribute to inflation? Well, when they're expanding, when they're easing their lending standards and expanding their lending, they are, in a sense, printing money as well. They are expanding the monetary base. And inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. But when the banks begin to shred money by lending less, tightening standards, or outright calling in and canceling loans at maturity, rather than rolling them over for businesses, they're also contributing to disinflationary pressure, if not outright deflation. And when bank lending standards rise, that means they're lending less. You can see it over here, right? That's the 08 global financial crisis. The red represents a recession. Over here, banks lending less, constricting their loans. This is COVID. And you can't see it because the recession was so short, but a very short recession right there. And now we are at restrictive levels of bank lending tightening that historically have been a recession. You've heard me, I thought we entered a very shallow recession back in March. I still think we did. I still think it's going to be shallow because I think job losses are going to be uh, modest. I think the consumer is still very strong because of that. I think household balance sheets and net worths are still strong because of that. Um, and whether or not we raise another quarter or don't, not entirely relevant. The next move is probably down in rates. The next big move is down. The next 100 basis point move is down. So I think we've reached the end of sort of that. And that's why the mar one of the reasons the market's doing so incredibly well. In addition to the Fed shredding and the regular banks, your regular bank that you go to shredding money, 
we've had that all results in the first ever year-over-year -year decline in U.S. money supply. We have 4.6% less money in circulation. We've shredded money. Almost 5% of the total outstanding money in the U.S. economy is gone. So important to understand because normally to grow the economy plus a 2% inflation rate, you're going to need monetary growth. Let's call it around 4 or 5% a year. It's one of the reasons we went off the gold standard. We just couldn't get enough gold to facilitate the growth of the greatest economic miracle in history, this U.S. style capitalism, right? So we went off this gold standard. There just wasn't enough gold out there. It did result in some inflation at first, but then we adjusted. And the Central Bank of the United States uh, has been very good at maintaining inflation till that little brief period of time. But a lot of that you can just attribute to the growth of the money supply. Too much monetary growth. Then inflation. Now we have monetary contraction. That's his disinflation or deflation. Okay, moving on to weekly jobs claims. Last week, initial claims, 262,000. That's a couple weeks in a row up there at that level that would give the Fed a little worry and will cause them not to raise interest rates in July, despite the fact the market still thinks they might. It might just be a pause. We'll get another inflate, couple more inflation reports, a few more jobs claims reports, and we'll know more. Uh, at that time. We got New York State manufacturing last week for the month of June. It was expected to be down 15.1. Big surprise up reading at 6.6. However, that positive reading was not confirmed by Philly Fed. Look at Philly Fed here. Just negative, 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 minus 13.7. Prior month, minus 10.4. You can see there's the 10.4. There's 13.7. Um, Fed knows this. We have uh, definitely have a recession in manufacturing. Part of that is coming off the big reopening from COVID, but part of it is just softening demand globally, add into all of that, that the service sector is a much bigger portion of our economy and that's still doing quite well. That's why we think it's a very low, uh, moderate, modest rather, um, recession. We also got industrial uh, production capacity utilization. I know I keep talking about inflation and disinflation, this is one of the great inflation indicators. When capacity utilization is above 80, there's inflationary pressure and significant in the economy. You can see, and what did we have? We had high inflation readings right there. Now we are below 80. That's consistent with not a lot of inflationary pressure in the economy. So that was a positive. Finally, last week, we got University of Michigan consumer sentiment. It popped a little bit. It remains very low. Why did it pop? Debt ceiling resolution eased some concerns, but 63.9 is nothing to brag about. You can see we're down from 100 pre-COVID and just solid up, 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 up months. Uh, the economy is soft, is, is moderating. Again, uh, we'll keep on that theme until we're proven otherwise. And then we've got here uh, economic data for the week. Nothing really on Monday or Wednesday. It's a light week for economic data. No Fed meetings. A um, couple of companies' er uh, earnings announcements. We've got FedEx, Carnival, Walgreens, Boots. Those are three big S&P names. Housing starts this morning have already come out in a huge surprise to the upside. Really surprised uh, in the month of May. Philly Fed uh, survey uh, later today. Um, Thursday, jobless claims. Now the estimates are coming up at this higher level of 260. 
existing home sales, leading economic indicators continue to trickle lower, consistent with my recession call. Friday, uh, we've got flash PMIs for services and manufacturing from S&P Global. Uh, manufacturing expected to be in decline there. Services expected to be in expansion. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Of course, it's available as a podcast. You get it. The best is to subscribe and get the graphs and slides along with my narration. Thank you, and I'll be back again next week.